these catechisms. It's a way for us to learn what it is that we believe. So let me ask a question and you guys could respond, okay? How and why did God create us? God created us male and female in his own image to know him, love him, live with him, and glorify him. And it is right that we who were created by God shall live to his glory. Very good. Why don't you take some time right now, just say hi to those around you, get to know someone. Um, Wesley. Wesley. Good morning. A couple announcements before we get started today. Um, I believe today is the last day to sign up for the snow retreat. So if you haven't done that, you plan on doing that, uh, make sure you sign up today. And the other uh, announcement that I do want to highlight is please pick up your tax receipts. Uh, They will be uh, in the break room upstairs between the services as well as after the service. So uh, between the two services, you could go upstairs to the break room guys all know where that is yeah okay so um, please pick them up if you don't pick them up they will send them to you eventually so um, it yeah but it's just more convenient to pick them up let me pray and then we're going to get started in today's message if you need a bible go ahead raise your hand one of the ushers will bring you a bible but will you pray with me heavenly father thank you so much for giving us this day the first day of the week to set aside for you We pray, God, that as we look at your word, God, that you would continue to cause our hearts uh, to be soft towards your spirit as you speak to us. We pray, God, that you would transform us to be more like you and do the things that you would want us to do. Father, we we pray right now as um, we look into Ephesians, God, would you just give us an understanding of the immeasurable richness you, you have blessed us with. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So we're going through our uh, series on the book of Ephesians. We're in a, a series called We Are Family. It's a, uh, the whole idea of this year, the whole theme for this year is we as a church, we're a family. One of the imageries that God gives to us is that the church is the family of God. And that means that we are brothers and we are sisters, aunts and uncles. Uh, uh, to one another in all that it means. And I know sometimes when we think of family, family has some very negative connotation for some of us. Uh, Sometimes family has very hurtful connotations. Uh, So hopefully as we go through this series in the book of Ephesians, uh, God will redeem some of those imageries in our minds and we'll learn what it means to be family. And we're especially looking, and we're starting off this year, looking in the book of Ephesians, because Ephesians really addresses what the church should be, what the church looks like. And we'll go through a lot of different kinds of relationships, uh, and a lot of that comes later on. So far, we've looked at uh, chapter 1, and chapter 1, if you remember, uh, it's one big praise to God. In fact, if you remember from previous weeks, verses 3 through 14 is actually one sentence in Greek, and it's as if Paul is just 
addressing all these blessings that God has given to us. He begins in chapter 1 saying, we've been blessed with every single spiritual blessing. And then he just, it's as if he gets uh, distracted with all the spiritual blessings that, that God has given to us. He's like, God has blessed you and me with every single spiritual blessing in the world, in the heavenly places, and he's given them to, you, to me. And one of them is he, he's chosen you. He's looked at the entire world, and he says, I want you. You are special to me, and I want to choose you. I, not, not because you're a good person, not because you look nice, not because your parents are good, but because I choose you. He goes on and he says, well, not just that. God's blessed us with predestination for adoption as sons and daughters. And God is saying, you know, it's not that I just choose you. I want you to be a part of my family. I want you to understand what it means to have me as your, as your dad. I want you to understand what it means to be a part of this family with all the blessings, with all the benefits that being a member of this family has. And not just that, we have redemption and we have forgiveness. Pastor Jim talked about this last week. We have redemption means God has paid our price. God has bought us out of slavery. That's the idea of redemption. God has redeemed us out of slavery. He's given us a new master himself, and he's forgiven us. He said, I know, I know that your whole life you've tried to live on your own. You try to do the things that you want to do. You didn't live with me as, as God of your life. I forgive you. In, in my son Jesus Christ, with the blood that he shed on the cross, you are now forgiven, and not just that. I'm going to let you in on a secret. Nobody has known this secret since the foundation of the world. No one knows the mystery of my will, and that is not just the Jews, but the Gentiles as well will have equal footing for all eternity. No one knew this. This, was, this is a secret. In fact, Ephesians, Paul uses this word mystery several times, and whenever he talks about mystery, it's not like, oh, I, I can't explain this. It means this has been a secret that was revealed that even the angels did not understand. But God says, you who are outsiders, you who are Gentiles, you are brought into my family. God has given us the secrets of his will. Now today we're going to continue on in verse 11. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. And Paul's going to continue on with two more blessings uh, that, that we have here. Uh, let me read Ephesians 1. A couple more blessings. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now Paul continues on. He's just talking about these blessings. He's saying, hey guys, don't you know the blessings that you have? Don't you know the blessings that God has just showered upon you? And in fact, he says, you have attained an inheritance. Now, it's very interesting because the ESV, which we typically will preach out of, says, in him we have obtained an inheritance. Uh, ooh, it's missing a closed bracket. So uh, the NIV says, in him we all were also chosen. It's kind of an interesting, uh, it seems like a contradiction. The NIV says we were chosen, 
Uh, the ESV says we have obtained an inheritance. It's kind of an interesting word that, that Paul uses in the Greek. It's called kleru, and it really means to cast lots, right? So when Paul says, in him, God casts lots, and, and technically that's what this word means. And the idea in the Old Testament is as uh, people pass away, uh, the inheritance would be given to the sons, and each of the sons would receive a particular lot. Now, the oldest child would receive double, right? So if everybody gets one, one stick or one rock or whatever, uh, the oldest child would get two, and then they would cast lots to see which portion they got. So the oldest child would get double the portion. And so over time, this word kleru, uh, even though it meant to be to choose, it actually came to be understood as having an inheritance. But there's more to this word because Paul uses it in the passive voice. Now, I'm no grammarian, and I know most of us, we despise grammar, uh, but it, it's actually quite important because when Paul uses this word, kleru, uh, in the passive voice, what he's saying is, you have been made the inheritance, right? And so what, what Paul here is saying, it's very interesting, it's not just that we have an inheritance, it's that you are actually the inheritance of God. You are the treasure, you are the portion that God wants. You are uh, his portion. And, and throughout the Old Testament, we, we read this. God talks about his people as his portion, right? But the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob's, his allotted heritage. And what the idea here is, out of all creation, out of the entire universe, God says, I want you. I want you to be my inheritance. I want you to be my portion. I want you to be my treasure, to be my prize. I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, from the foundation of the world, and I've chosen you to be this treasure. I've chosen you to, to, to be the recipient of my love, the recipient of my grace, the recipient of my forgiveness. As an Asian kid, uh, I, I'm the youngest child of two, uh, I, I'm used to certain oddities. And let me just share, because maybe not everyone has my uh, family background. Uh, growing up, we would eat dim sum often. And my dad's Cantonese, and, and we just really enjoy dim sum. And I love dim sum. Right? It's just, I don't know, food to me is just vital to culture. So I love dim sum. I love going to eat dim sum with my parents. Sometimes my grandma would come. And, you know, inevitably, this is something that Asians do. There would always be one piece left, Right? Like, everybody would eat, and then, you know, in the dish, there's just, like, one more, like, haga, one more, sumai. It's just like, ah, oh, who's going to eat the, the, the last piece? I know my place in my family's pecking order, right? As the youngest child, who do you think got the first pick? Not me, <laughs> right? It was, it was, like, my grandparents, and then my parents, and then my sister. And if there's anything left over, I would choose. And I remember distinctly, one time my dad looks at me, there's, like, one piece of... The, the shrimp dumpling. There's one like tong fins are my favorite. They're the rice rolls with the beef inside. Those are like by far my favorite. And there's one piece of that. There's um, you know, there's all these one piece. My dad looks at me and says, Dean, what would you like? And I thought, well, that's just mean because you know I don't get a choice. Why are you even asking me? He's like, well, what would you? I was like, oh, well, obviously I want the tong fins. Any sane person would eat that. I was like, well, go ahead. He's like, really? It's like. Yeah, if that's what if that's what you really want, go ahead and take it. I said, "Boy, I'm not I'm not the oldest. I'm not the you know." He's like, "No, it's yours." God looks at you and says, "This is the one thing that I really really want. This is my portion. If out of the entire universe I had 
all the choice. I choose you. I choose you to love you, to forgive you, to give you eternal life, to make you my son, to make you my daughter, because I treasure you and I want you to be my inheritance. Now there's a flip side to this idea. Because we are God's inheritance, God also becomes our inheritance. God says, not only are you my treasure, all that I have is now yours. Not only have I chosen you, but everything that I have, all of, all of eternity, will now, you'll now spend with me. And the, the idea of inheritance is the sum total of all that God has promised to us in salvation, which is being reserved for us in heaven. And you and I, we're being preserved until the time it will be given to us. And it will surely be awaiting us and we will surely receive it. What God here is saying is, you are my special portion. You are my treasure, you are my prize, and I love you dearly. And not just that, all of salvation is reserved for you. He's talking about eternity with him. Peter writes this in his letter, uh, his first Peter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable. It's never going to go away. It's undefiled, and it's unfading. It's kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In short, our inheritance is all of eternity with God, and all the treasures that he promises, praising him, rejoicing with him, re ruling for all time, that is our inheritance. That's our future, and that's our hope. And it's no wonder, as Paul is thinking about these things, and he's writing to this church that he deeply loves and cares for, and he's writing to you and me, he, he's thinking of all these blessings. It's no wonder that he's just bursting out into praise. And I wonder how many of us live in light of our inheritance. It, it, let me put it in more, uh, maybe a crasser way or more practical way. If you were told one day that you would receive a billion dollars, that if you just live your life and one day you will receive a billion dollars when you turn 18 or 25 or, you know, whatever, you will have one billion dollars. Would you live differently? Would you, would, you, would you change anything about the way you spend your money now? Would you change the way you, you spend your time? your energy. You know financially at least you're set. And at the same time, our future, followers of Jesus Christ, friends, our future is set in God. Our future is not in doubt. Our future is not in question. We know that God says, you will spend all of eternity with me. You have a treasure that will never fade away. There's going to be no inflation. There's going to be no deterioration of your heavenly portfolio. It is there for you forever. With a lot of us, we live our life like this is the only life to live, don't we? we? We spend our energy, we spend our money, we spend our time as if there is no future. And that this is the most important time now. And we, we, we chase all these different treasures, we chase all these different dreams. When in fact we have eternal security 
we have an eternal treasure that is stored up. Isn't it ironic that so many of us, oftentimes, we're spending our energy storing up a treasure here on earth that we know we can't take with us. But God says, you have this eternal treasure. Won't you live with that reality? So Paul tells us we've received this incredible inheritance, but there's a couple ways in how we receive it. The first is we receive it by being predestined. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Now, in the past we've spoken about predestination. Predestination is not that God simply looks down into the future and says, oh, you know, I see, you know, Joe and he's going to choose me, so I'm going to choose him. Or I see this person and he's going to be good, so I'm going to choose. No, predestination just means before the foundation of the world, God chose you and me, not because of anything we will do, not because of anything that we have done, but simply for his pleasure to be his treasure. And not just that, it's according to his purpose. I don't know why God chooses some people. I, I really don't. There, there's no, I have no answer. There may be people smarter than me and will be able to explain this better. But all I know is that God chooses according to the purpose of him who works. God chooses some and he planned it from the very beginning that you and I would be his child. It's not haphazard. Some people say, ah, that seems a little arbitrary. It, it's not. Maybe in my mind it is. But to God, it's according to his purpose. He knew me and you before the foundation of the world. And God works at it. It's very interesting, the word here, so that we, who, uh, uh, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, it, it's, it's as if God is putting all of his energy. The, the word for works here is energeo. It means to cause something to happen. There's no doubt about this. There's no question about what's going to happen. He, he literally is, he energizes what he's doing. He's putting power behind what he's doing. And he's saying, I choose you. There is no doubt in his mind that you will not be a follower of his. He puts forth energy. It means to, to be at work, to produce results. And God works at it. God is actively bringing these things to pass. There is no uncertainty in God's mind that those he has chosen will become his sons and become his daughters. And not just that, those who he have chosen will be preserved until his return. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The idea here is God will make sure that those he has chosen, those he have predestined, will come to faith and will be preserved until the very end. Now, the doctrine of predestination sometimes is confusing and sometimes it's, it's disregarded, but Paul teaches it clearly. Right? The doctrine of predestination brings God great joy. It, it's because of his purpose, because of his, his work. Imagine if your choice, your selection was based on how hard you work or how good you live. We would all be doomed. But because it's based on God choosing, because our inheritance is based on God predestining, there is certainty and confidence in our inheritance. Secondly, we receive our inheritance when we hear the word of truth, when we hear God's word. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, 
and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The word of truth is what brings us into a saving relationship with God. The word of truth is what introduces us to the need that we have. It's the word of truth, the the word of God, God's word that, that reminds us, that tells us that we are sinners that we need a savior, that that there is only one way to God, and that's through his son, Jesus Christ. But it's not enough to simply hear the word of truth. We actually have to believe the word of truth. We have to believe in the one who brings about the good news. We have to put our faith in the good news. So, So just hearing the gospel preached, just hearing the Bible preached, actually is not doing that much unless you believe in God's word. And the question I have for us is, are we spending time in the word of truth? Because I fear that oftentimes, especially for those of us who grew up in the church, right? If you're like me, you feel like you've heard it all. Like there's no, there's no new story that you can uncover. There's no new passage that you've never read. All the pages have been separated, right? Like, you know, when you get a new Bible, some of those pages are still stuck together. All the pages have been separated because you've read it all. And you're like, ah, same old, same old. And I fear if you're like me, like those who grew up in the church, we limit our exposure to God's word because we feel like we we already know it all. We've heard it all. But it's the word of truth that not only brings salvation, it's the word of truth that continues to grow us in our inheritance. Look what Paul says. This is interesting because this actually predates the letter that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. But Paul's talking to the leaders of Ephesus in Acts chapter 20. Oh. I'm sorry, uh, Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But he writes to the leaders in the church of Ephesus as he's leaving them. He says, now I commend you to God. He's talking to the Ephesians leaders, the elders there. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Notice what he's saying. He's like, I've spent all this time with you. I've taught you. You've had firsthand experience. You have some great pastors. But it's the word of grace, it's the word of truth, it's God's word that is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. It's the word of truth that builds us up and gives us the inheritance. And Paul is saying, you have been blessed by being predestined, you've been blessed by hearing the word, you've been blessed by by believing in the word, and I wonder how many of us really take a hold of what Paul is saying. How many of us really spend time in the word of God to say, I want to grow in my inheritance. I want to grow in my salvation. I want to grow in my faith. There's a study that Lifeway did just a couple years ago. The average American, now this isn't even Christian, this is just average American across the board, right? Average American uh, typically has three Bibles. It doesn't matter if you're a believer or not, just average, average it out. Uh, of, of all the Bibles people own, typically an uh, average American has three Bibles. I don't know. Think about your own house. How many Bibles do you own? Interestingly enough, or I guess maybe not so interesting, 53% of those who have a Bible uh, of Americans have read very little, if any, of the Bible at all. So more than half of those who own a Bible have read very little to none of the Bible. And the question for us is, if the Bible, if the word of God is the, is the word of truth that gives us life, the word of grace that, that secures our inheritance, the, the word of truth that builds you and I to become men and women of God, people who know and love the one who has chosen us, shouldn't we be spending time 
in God's Word? Shouldn't we be spending time knowing our great inheritance? God, God chose us, and He loves us, and He redeems us. He pays for our sins, and he, he covers our guilt. And whoever believes in Him will be saved. Shouldn't we be spending time knowing the gospel? So that, so that when people ask us, what is the word of truth? We don't have to say, hey, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. What, what is the word of truth that will save me? I'm not exactly sure. Friends, we have this tremendous inheritance, and that is in God's word. Don't disregard it. Don't belittle it. Don't, don't look down on it. Spend time in God's word. And lastly, we receive the inheritance by the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Kind of interesting idea here. Paul writes, we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You see, the Holy Spirit is the seal. It's the guarantee of our inheritance. Jesus says, hey, guys, talking to his disciples, I got to leave. <laughs> They're like, no, don't leave us, Jesus. We need you. He's like, don't worry. I'm going to give you another one just like me. I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, the world here meaning those who are not part of uh, his believers, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. And Jesus says, when I leave, the Holy Spirit will come on you. It will be a seal. It will be a sign. It will be a guarantee that you have an inheritance. Now, a seal in the Old Testament, it functions in a, ver a variety of ways. The first is that it authenticates the sender. It authenticates uh, the, the, the person who wrote the message. When you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, that is God authenticating that this indeed is my child. He's not a fraud. He's not a fake. It authenticates that you are indeed a member of God's family. Right? Sometimes when you have official certificates from the state of California, you'll have the official seal of California. This is a real document that only California can issue. It's not a fraud. It's not a fake. And so when we have the Holy Spirit, it authenticates that we are indeed members of the family of God. The second function that the Holy Spirit sealing does is that it tells us who our owner is. In ancient times, uh, animals and, and, and produce were sealed, saying, this animal, this cow, this belongs to Dean. It, can be, uh, it can't be stolen. A lot of times we will brand uh, animals, or not we, people will brand animals and say, this cow belongs to this branch. Right? Or we will put name tags on our kid's jacket, right? This jacket belongs to Kai Ren. And everybody knows that, you know, the jacket is not theirs. They can't steal it. It has that, uh, that ownership on there. And so when we have the Holy Spirit, it tells the world and it reminds us, you belong to somebody. You're not, your own, you're not the owner anymore. You belong to someone. You belong to God. And he's your new master. And finally, uh, it says that there is a guarantee. The, when we receive the Holy Spirit, when we're sealed, there's a guarantee. The word for guarantee here is actually a very interesting word. The word Erebon, it actually meant an installment with which a man secures a legal claim upon a thing. It's a down payment. I, I think when people used to buy homes, they would put down earnest money. Or sometimes if you're at like a yard sale and you see something you really like, you're like, oh, I want to buy it, but I don't want someone else to take it, but I don't have enough. So you give the person, like, here's 50 bucks, here's half of the money, 
can you just set it aside for me? I'll be back in like an hour and I will give you the rest. It's this earnest money, this guarantee. Interestingly enough, in modern Greek, so when, when, you know, when the Bible is written, it's actually Koine Greek, class, or, um, ancient Greek. In modern Greek, this word for Erebon actually means an engagement ring. And I think it's actually a very beautiful picture. That is exactly what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is like God's engagement ring to the church. He says to you and to me, he's like, I promise you, I will come back for you. In fact, Jesus says, I'm going away. Why? To prepare a place for you, right? I'm going to prepare a place in my father's house so that I could come back for you and I could bring you back. And so right now, in a very uh, metaphorical sense of the word, the church is in this engagement period. And Christ is going to come back. And Christ is going to say, how is my bride? Later on in chapter 5, Ephesians talks about how Christ and the church really uh, symbolizes uh, the, the image of, of marriage. But the idea of a guarantee, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit with us is a reminder that Christ will come back for you and for me. He's not leaving us to, to, to flounder. He's not leaving us to, to be on our own. He says, you have the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the third person of the Trinity. You, you are mine and I will come back for you. We receive the inheritance through being predestined to be his children by hearing God's word and receiving the Spirit. Now, a couple things to think about as we wrap up. All of these blessings that Paul talks about is reserved for God's family. All of these blessings that Paul... It, it's, not, it's not for everybody. Not everybody receives this inheritance. It is reserved for those who are part of God's family. And the question for us is, are you part of God's family? Have you given your life over to Jesus Christ? Have you said, you know, I, I've been trying to live this life on my own and, and I, I want to make my own decisions. I want to, you know, choose my own values and I want to follow my way of living. God says, okay, just know that you're not part of this family. You could come to church your whole life and you could go to a small group or VBS or WANAs go Sunday school until you have made a decision to confess that I am your Lord and your Savior you're not part of the family so if there's anybody here today who, who you're unsure of your salvation you're unsure of where you stand you're unsure of your inheritance would today be the day where you say God I want to follow you I want you to be in control of my life I want to be your son or your daughter and today is the day that I begin this journey of saying God will you take my life and if that's you, if you're here and you're not sure, but you want to be sure, then all you do is you talk with God. We call that prayer. But all you do is you say, God, will you forgive my sins? Will you send your spirit to enter my life, to seal me, to remind me that I no longer belong to myself, but I belong to you, to guide me? The next thing, remind yourself of, of what is important and eternal. Do you know that you're God's special treasure? Do you know that God has chosen you for all of eternity, from all of eternity, to be the object of his affection? So many times we are just living our lives trying to please others. We're trying to make somebody happy or we're trying to, you know, please parents or just to prove our worth somehow. And our entire lives 
we're living under this weight of these expectations because we don't know where we stand when it comes to certain relationships. And here God looks at you and says, no, I love you. How you are, not, not because of what you will become. I love you. I've chosen you. You are my portion. You are my inheritance. You are the one that I wanted. And I'm the one who can pay. It changes the way we live. It changes the way we think. It changes just our, 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 the guilt that we have on ourselves when we tell ourselves, when we remind ourselves, I'm God's treasure. And I think so many times, especially in this valley, we just need to be reminded that you are God's treasure, that you are God's portion, that you are God's prize. And that no matter what people tell you, no matter what coworkers tell you, no matter what friends tell you, you know that in God's eyes and for all of eternity, you are God's special portion. Flip side of this is, are you living with the reality that you, every single spiritual blessing has been given to you? All of God's inheritance is guaranteed for you. How do you live your life? How do you spend your time? You know, it's easy to get caught up, right, isn't it? With, with work and with school and with, with making sure we have the latest and greatest things. It's easy to get busy because we think this life is the only life that matters. But Paul reminds us and God reminds us, no, this life is not the only life that matters. In fact, Scripture tells us this life is like a mist. It's a vapor. It's a fog. It's there and it looks so intimidating, but when the sun comes out, it's gone. And Paul reminds us there is something much more important that you have. You have this inheritance. Why don't you spend your time building up your inheritance? Why don't you spend your time securing your inheritance? Why don't you spend your time inviting other people into sharing this inheritance with you? Let me just speak very uh, briefly to the parents here because I know as a parent, we all want our kids to do very well. We want them to succeed academically. We want them to succeed athletically. We want them to be you know, prodig prodigies when it comes to m playing music. And, and we spend all this time and energy. We drive them from one thing to another. We, we want them to do their very best because we think that's what's important. But the truth is many of our children here they're not even certain about their eternal future. They're not sure where they're going to be spending all of eternity. And if they don't hear that from us as parents, and if they don't hear that from, uh, they don't see that in our lives, in how we spend our energy, and how we spend our time, and how we spend our money, where are they going to get that from? Because they're not getting that at school. They're probably not getting that from their friends. To those of you who are students, I know, I know school is stressful. I know it's hard to do well and it's so competitive. I know everybody expects so much of you and it's so hard to get into even like mediocre schools now. I understand. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, just be reminded you have an eternal treasure in heaven that is, that is there, that is good for all of eternity. It's not going to go away. It's not going to degrade somehow that if you invest your time in God's word, it is time that is well spent. It is never wasted. If you invest your time in God's kingdom, it is time that is well spent. It's never wasted. Be reminded 
of what is important and what is eternal. And finally, <laughs> don't be a typical American that has three Bibles yet barely reads it. God's Word is what gives us life. God's Word is what brings us truth. God's Word is what causes us to come alive and to be secure in our foundation. Spend time in God's Word. Spend time reading God's Word. And I know it's hard. Everybody that I talk to that has a hard time reading the Bible say, well, I just don't have time. <laughs> I, I don't know. Perhaps it's been pastoral. But to be blunt, just make time. We all have the same amount of time. Just make time. If this is important to you, you would spend time. If, if checking your stock portfolio is important to you, you spend time. If looking at fantasy sports league is important, you're going to spend time. God's word is the key to our future. Won't you spend time? Now, some of us, I know that's hard. We need some accountability. We need somebody to help us. So, you know, just say, hey, I'm really weak at this. Can you help me? Maybe this week, just say, I'm going to commit just to every morning, every afternoon, during lunch, I'm just going to read a little bit of God's Word. Will you ask me how I'm doing? You know, will you ask me what I'm learning? Will you just hold me accountable? Because I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in my inheritance. I want to grow to be the woman, the man of God, that God wants me to be. Because, friends, God has given us a tremendous inheritance. And I don't want anyone here to miss out on any of the blessings that God has given to us. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we pray, God, that you would continue to illuminate for us what it means to be recipients of this great inheritance. That not only are we your inheritance, but you are our inheritance as well. God, would you cause us to just revel in the and delight in the fact that we are chosen by you, that we've been sealed with your Holy Spirit, and that you've given us your word to continue to grow in our faith. So would you help us this week to be reminded of what is eternal and what is important? Would you remind us that we have this immeasurable treasure in your word? We pray this in your son's name.